we are focusing now on our new series, which has been not quite so new. We've been having a couple of episodes already, but this is our new mental health series called Truth Prescriptions. We're wanting to know what is truly the truth when it comes to mental health, because there's so much information that's out there, but it's hard to know what the truth is. And for today's particular episode, the truth is going to be very important, right, Katie? (laughs) That's very, very correct. Yes. Yes, so I would like to introduce myself. My name is Chriselle Olasaran. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and our co-host is... My name is Dr. Katie Elson, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Yeah, so thank you for joining us. And so we do want to start with a disclaimer. And this disclaimer is just to remind you that the intention of this series is not to provide or substitute any professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. But rather, our intention and our purpose is to provide spiritual guidance of how to utilize the Bible as a practical guide for your mental health well-being. But please always seek advice if there's any particular question you have from a mental health professional or in regards to any condition you may have when it comes to your mental health. Yes, and if you are in a crisis or you have an emergency, we have some suggestions here, some help, some resources of to call 911 um, or to call the suicidal hotline, national hotline number, 1-800-273-TALK. And of course, if you're in a different country, to call your local emergency line. And then today on the topic of addictions, um, we will also be providing a hotline number later on for resources as well. But we want to make sure that you're safe and that you're getting the help that you need. Yes. So welcome. mentioned. Mm-hmm. Katie, what's the title of our episode today? The Fiction of Addiction. I love how that rhymes. <laughs> so clearly we're going to talk about the importance of truth because fiction is a lie, right? And we're wanting to know what is the truth when it comes to addictions because there's a lot of information out there and some that either we ourselves have chosen to believe or not, we're not even aware that what we believe is not the truth, that it's an addiction. I mean, a fiction of addiction. <laughs> so let's actually have an icebreaker question before we begin. And I'll, I'll go ahead and let Katie, Dr. Elson, share that. Yeah, so we always like to start with an icebreaker question just as an opportunity to, it's almost as if we're wetting the appetite for the episode and have our brains start thinking about the topic. And this one's a little bit less of a, we definitely want to hear your response and more so just again, to kind of get those wheels turning of your, of your mind. So we wanted to pose this question of what do you think is a common myth about addiction, right? Myths being things that we've heard very often about addiction, but are not true. And so feel free to message in the chat if anything comes to mind. And I don't know, Crystal, if you want to mention or if we'll just both of us hold off until we come to the episode itself. But do you want to chime in? I will, yeah, I'll just share one, um, which we will address later on in the episode. But I think one that I've had as a child growing up, not currently now, but as a child was that addiction was just related to drugs. Mm-hmm. That addiction was nothing outside of a drug. Mm-hmm. So, Chriselle, you're saying that's not only about drugs? Uh, yes, it's not only about drugs. Okay. <laughs> that's a myth. Yes. Yeah, that's actually our first one, which we'll cover. 
Any other ideas, feel free to message. And actually what we're going to do is because we have such a full episode of a lot of content and Crystal and I were debating whether or not to do a, you know, a part two and we'll see how time goes. My anticipation is that we'll have to do a part two just because one, there's a lot of information. Two, Crystal and I um, are really passionate about this and we want to talk about addictions. Mm-hmm. And then um, as well as, time time does not allow for these rich conversations at times so there's a comment here that says homeless people are addicts right that's a that's a big myth you know a a type of people that are addicts definitely Mm -hmm. so feel free to send in your responses but we're going to continue and we'll try to include those responses throughout the presentation as well but we really want to cover briefly um, as we do every episode our truth prescription from our last episode. Priscilla, do you remember what our last episode was on? I remember what it was on. I don't remember the truth prescription though. So Mm -hmm. take a chill pill. What was that? Someone not doing their homework? Um, Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm helping other people do their homework Mm -hmm. (laughs) throughout the week. (laughs) But yes, our last, our latest episode was take a chill pill pill, which is a common phrase we can hear people say to us or that we ourselves may have been guilty of saying to someone else or thinking of wanting to say to someone else. But our topic last episode was in regards to anxiety. And just a quick reminder, we're focusing on that one triangle and the different components was thoughts, emotions, and feelings and behaviors. These current episodes are focusing on behaviors. And later on, we're going to go into thoughts and emotions as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so our truth prescription in regards to specifically, you know, we talked about how to manage anxiety was to reflect on what are your vulnerability factors. Um, actually, this is from the previous episode. So um, let me pull up the one from before. Let me give me a second. Crystal, do you remember what it was? I don't remember exactly what it was. That's fine. I'll pull it up right now. Okay. Prevention. Engage in deep breathing. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what TIP stands for? Temperature. Yes. Tipping the temperature. I's intense exercise. Yes, very good. And P is paced breathing coupled with muscle relaxation. Yes, so here we see prevention, engage in deep breathing and singing daily, and then engage in tip, which Crystal just mentioned, when anxious or in distress. So I did do my homework. I sang and I taught a patient how to deep breathe. Wonderful, Crystal. <laughs> very good. All right. So as we do every episode, we want to make sure we're encouraging not just information, but application, right? Because if you think about if we're just watching these episodes and we're not doing anything, it's like that image we showed previously in a prior episode of people sitting around and saying, what if we do nothing, right? We change nothing and just something magically happens. And that doesn't happen when it comes to mental health, right? We also read the the quote that says, you know, 
human effort combined with divine effort, right? Mm. What leads to complete and entire victory? And so we want the victory. Are we doing our part and our effort? Yes, we have a viewer here who did do their truth prescription and says, I did it and I had a great Sabbath afternoon. Very happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. All right, Chriselle, do you want to start us off with a word of prayer before we start our episode today, The Fiction of Addiction? Yes, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God in heaven, Thank you, Lord, once again for the opportunity to be able to be here on this platform to learn more about you and to share to others, Lord, the truth. There are so many lies out there that we may not even be aware are lies, but we do ask at this moment that you speak to us, reveal to us the truth, Lord, and convict us in ways that we need to change. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the fiction of addiction. So as the title entails, we are going to dive into lies, fictions regarding addictions, because there are many of them. And as we're diving into them, if any comes to mind that we haven't said, feel free to share that in the chat. We'd love to know your feedback, your comments, or even questions that you may have. Uh, I know it's Katie and I going back and forth, but if you'd like to share in and chime in, that would be wonderful. So, Katie, what is, I wouldn't say the number one lie because we're not ranking them, but what is a lie when it comes to addictions? Yeah, so we wanted to start off with the first kind of group of lies in which lies we say about addiction. Then we'll cover lies, the lies that the addiction tells us. But first, we want to start with lies we say about addictions. And the first lie is one that Chriselle had previously mentioned in our icebreaker question. Mm -hmm. Addictions are only drugs, right? When most of us think about addictions, and we think about when someone just says the word addiction, we immediately think about drugs. We think about Mm -hmm. marijuana. We think about cocaine, meth, heroin, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. But Chriselle, you mentioned this before, and maybe you want to elaborate. No, that's a lie that they include other things other than drugs. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to share what the other ones are? Yes. Yeah, so there are many of them. With the, the definition of addiction that can help kind of set the stage for us moving forward. Yes. And so before we actually share what those addictions are, let's kind of utilize our minds to develop an understanding of what first is an addiction to then be able to clarify what could be considered an addiction, right? So addiction is the repeated involvement with a substance or activity, despite the substantial harm it now causes, because that involvement was and may continue to be pleasurable and or valuable. So when it comes to defining what addiction can be, there are four key components to that. And so we want you to pay attention to those four because it helps clarify and helps us identify what could be considered an addiction. So number one, addiction includes both substances and activities. So it's not just substances. So there, that debunks the lie, right? That it's just drugs. Mm -hmm. So it can also include activities, okay? Number two, addiction leads to substantial harm. Now, that could be, you know, what does harm mean? We can dive into that as well. Number three, addiction is repeated involvement. So not just involvement, but repeated involvement, despite that that substantial harm that the addiction is causing on your life and on your functioning. 
And then number four, addiction continues because it was or is pleasurable and or valuable to whatever circumstance you're currently experiencing. So those are the four components, okay? So taking that in mind, Katie, what are other addictions that are not just drugs? Because addictions are not just drugs. That's a lie. Yeah, so we're going to focus on the first component of that definition, which is addiction includes both substances and activities, which in some ways they, not in some ways, but they say often behavior, behavioral addiction. So there's drug addictions, right, substances, and then there's behavioral addictions. So if you want a message in the chat, feel free. We love the participation. Um, or if you're watching this later and still want to comment, you can feel free to comment. What are other addictions? So again, we have the drugs that we often think about, but what are some other behavioral addictions? Purcell, you want to name a couple? Yes, a behavioral addiction could be binge-watching shows. Oh, Grisel, you just really <laughs> hit the nail on the head for many, many young people, and maybe not so young either, right? That's a very, very common one these days. And I would say kind of to take a step back from that and do a little bit more of a, you know, a, a bigger view, a broader view, screen time, technology, right? Mm -hmm. So that can include, yes, binge-watching. It can include video games. That can include social media, TV, and I just want to say that someone may be watching this and saying, well, what is, how can that be harmful? Like all of us have to, like televisions for most of, for the most part, all of us have telephones. How can screen time be addictive? But if you pay attention to what we said, binge watching, right? Yes. There, there's a point where it starts to cause that substantial harm. And Which that's where later. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we want to clarify that. Yes. Um, so screen time, right? Um, and that includes a host of different things. Mm -hmm. Eating, that's another very common one. I just, you know, maybe, Crystal, you hit some, a couple of our viewers with the binge watching and people are like, oh, you're already speaking to me. Now I just hit some, a couple of other ones, right? With eating, eating is very, very common. What, well, not just eating, right? So the same way you said binge watching is binge eating or overeating. Right? And overeating is eating more, right? And it could even be a good thing, but eating more than what we need to. And then one common addiction in the category of eating is what result? Of eating? Yes. Think about when your clients talk about overeating something, um, the most common one is what? Anything containing sugar. Sugar, yes. Mm -hmm. Processed sugar. Mm -hmm. That's very, very common. Um, and then also including um, work. When we, we used to say this a lot, I don't, I haven't heard it as much in the recent years, but workaholic. Oh, they're yes. workaholic. And I think maybe we haven't heard it in recent years because more and more people, it's more the norm. It's more so acceptable. Workaholic is like the alcoholic, right? This idea, we recognize that also as an addiction. It can be an addiction. What are other addictions? Shopping. Oh, Yes. Some people say, but it's pleasurable. But there are some individuals who struggle significantly with shopping to the point that they are financially in debt. Mm -hmm. um, there's divorce because of a result of that addiction to shopping. Yeah. There's um, isolation from friends and family because they're so consumed in that desire and need. Need. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For shopping, um, 
we have a viewer here who says gossiping. Yes, that is definitely that could that could become an addiction that you consume with just other people's problems, thereby avoiding your own. That could be an addiction as well. Yes, and going back quickly to shopping, uh, one thing that I had learned as an, as a clinician is I used to ask you know about addictions and I used to come commonly you know assess for drug addiction and then you start learning more and you're like okay I gotta ask about eating yeah. and then most recently I was like okay I gotta include everything because I often I'll ask more generally and I'm like oh no and then later on I find out about their shopping addiction so often I'll, I'll list out these things and ask them and some people are they don't know until they're actually asked like oh wow yeah you're right shopping another one gambling right um prescription drugs that one's very, very common these days, right? They talk about the opioid crisis mm -hmm. because there's so many people addicted, right? Sex, which includes masturbation, pornography, orgasm, mm -hmm. so many can fall under this category, but it's very, very common. Yes, and then there's one that you may have never considered as a possibility to include in the categories of addiction. Before you get there, <laughs> somebody messaged us on our Instagram account okay. um, asking about infatuation. Can infatuation be an addiction? And I asked them to clarify what specific type and um, what they're including is love infatuation. So it's not just sex addiction. It can be love relationships, right? Toxic relationships. Um, have this addiction towards love and relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I remember I've asked a particular, you know, patient of mine, are you addicted to your partner? And the person was like, I've never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can happen. We have an episode, a prior episode um, entitled Love Sick. You remember that one, Chriselle? Mm -hmm. um, on a biblical character who had an addiction to love. Samson, right? So we encourage you to watch that episode if you struggle with love addiction. Um, and I mean, any addiction, really, Samson has some good lessons to, for us to learn. And we might cover, um, not we might, we will cover, not Samson, but other biblical characters on the topic of addiction. We can learn a lot about how they dealt with addiction, the to-dos and the not-to-dos. Now, Crystal, you're, you're going to mention another form of addiction that we often don't think about. Yes. Helping others. What? <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. When I've said that to others, they're like, what? How can that be? It's good to help other people. That makes you feel good. Mm. said, well, it makes you feel good, right? But what is your motivation to helping others? I know that, yes, it's good. I mean, the Bible talks plenty about, you know, the impact of helping others and how it impacts you as well. But sometimes we utilize helping others to avoid our own problems because it feels so good to help others, but then we're not helping ourselves. Yeah. And I, I, I do presentations and speaking engagements for um, different churches, schools, conferences. And I remember I, I went to the specific um, school where um, it's training for, for ministry and I remember specifically recognizing that often churches or ministries, they attract individuals who struggle with their mental health, which is a beautiful thing because they find the healing power of God mm -hmm. and they want to be able to help others. 
but sometimes they don't receive the complete healing or complete recovery. And they use ministry or they use helping others or serving others, as you mentioned, Purcell, as a way to cope or mute um, their, their hurts, their wounds, their emotional wounds, and can lead to, I call, ministry-aholics. Ministry-aholics. Yes, um, it can be definitely toxic as well. You know, one, one that, go ahead. I would say one that just came to mind um, is also an addiction to adrenaline when there, yeah. you just, you need that rush. And so you do all these certain activities that push adrenaline into your system because they're like, they're like, I think I've heard people say, I'm always chasing that high, that adrenaline high. So they do extreme sports and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One that we didn't mention, um, which oft- which can be categorized under substances, but one that we often don't think about as a drug and is actually um, one of the top addictions is caffeine. And we have an interesting, um, we'll, we'll get to this, I find it fascinating about kind of the evolution of how we view, how the culture views certain substances and what we normalize. Mm-hmm. One of those, although we can normalize a substance, it doesn't change the fact that it is a substance and it can lead to an addiction. So caffeine as well. And there's other ones we didn't mention like hoarding and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the top 10, just to quickly um, review the top, caffeine, especially coffee, tobacco, nicotine, alcohol, sex, illegal and prescription drugs, gambling, internet and technology, video games, food, and work. Mm-hmm. So that was the first lie that we often, that addic- that we say about addictions is that addictions are only drugs, but no, they are also uh, inclusive of behavioral addictions. So behaviors and activities. Now, Chris, what's the second lie that we say about addiction? That addictions are only harmful. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Didn't we just say in a definition that it leads to substantial harm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I might be like, are they contradicting themselves? <laughs> but addictions are not only harmful. What we mean by that is, for some reason, we use them, right? So to some extent, they're being helpful for us. Now, is it the, the most helpful? Meaning that's the only thing that could help us cope? No. But there's a reason that leads us to become addicted to the certain things that we choose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and this is really important to think about because um, when we don't struggle with addictions and we hear that someone does, we immediately shame them. Mm -hmm. And instead of first understanding, I think this is a good place to start with somebody is first understanding why they use it. Like there's something in a substance. If If addiction were only harmful, all negative, then I don't think they would be as prevalent as they are, right? And so when I work with individuals who struggle with substance use, specifically substances, you know, I, I just tell them like, I get, I get it. They're, they're helpful. And they look at me like, what? Because are you promoting it, Katie? What was that? Are you promoting it, Dr. Elson? Yeah, right. And <laughs> you look at me because often immediately doctors or therapists or whoever, maybe family members immediately jump to, they're so harmful. Why are you doing it? Da, da, da but starting from a place of understanding. They are helpful, right? I mean, they have some utility. 
Now we're going to talk about how harmful they actually are, right? Rate, you know, weighing the pros and cons. But the main reason or main function that it serves for a lot of people is that it helps them cope. They use it as an external coping mechanism. How does that help them cope specifically, Prasant? In terms of having a coping? Well, one thing that I've heard, regardless of the particular addiction that someone is engaged in, is that it numbs them or it mutes whatever problem they're going through. Um, I know that if I've worked with alcoholics and they've mentioned to me that the moment that they they consume their alcohol, it's like they don't think about either the emotional pain they're going through, the conflict they're going through in their marriage. It just kind of gives them a moment of peace. Mm -hmm. False. False. That's why I say peace, right? Yeah. Um, And and not just one, one that I've heard is like, okay, it kills time, right? Because Mm -hmm. they have a lack of meaning or purpose. Mm -hmm. It's just to get them through the day. Um, If you also think about not just alcohol, but for example, binge watching, it kills time, right? It also numbs. It numbs. I don't want to think about the problems, which it does work. You Mm -hmm. do not think about your problems for that those three hours, those four hours, or however long. But dot dot dot. We'll talk about what comes next after. Yeah. Not only does it mute or numb or kind of kill time, but it's also pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Let's what? be real, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, so, the well, way that it ways, impacts the brain. Yeah, in what ways is it pleasurable? Well, in terms of you know dopamine. Okay. I mean, depending on the drug, but yes, overall addictions, when it hypes up the dopamine level, mm-hmm. which the is reward. the reward, right? It makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And so when something feels good, it's like, oh, it's encouraging me to want to continue it. Mm-hmm. And that's then leading to an addiction. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, chemically, right, there's an impact. Um, also what are other ways in which people say it's pleasurable? So the benefits of certain drugs, uh, I've heard that, Oh, you know, when I have a particular drug, it makes me more energetic. I can actually clean my house when I'm on this drug. I can actually function at work. Um, I've heard others say, Oh, when I drink alcohol, it makes me more sociable. Uh, otherwise I'd be super insecure and I wouldn't be able to go up and have fun at a party. So I got to drink alcohol to kind of loosen me up. Mm. yeah mm. and again this is not us promoting these no drugs. it's to it's just to understand yeah understand mm. and recognize there is a component and i'm i'm not sure if we should introduce it now Crystal, but i'm kind of i think it's it may be a good kind of place to introduce it um but kind of who's behind this right why is it pleasurable you want to go into it, you want to reserve it i want to reserve it Okay. Well, yeah. good opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to clarify, to understand something does not mean to justify it. Yes. Good point. Okay. We're understanding to be more helpful in how to approach someone who may be struggling with this or even helpful to yourself if you're struggling with addiction to understand, oh, it's not that I'm an addict. It's that I, I'm, a, I'm trying to cope with something through this avenue, which is unhealthy. So I need to cope with something. What's something else that's a healthy way to cope with whatever I'm struggling with? So we're not justifying it, but we need to understand it to figure out what could be the solution for it. 
And what you're mentioning, Chriselle, is because yes, there may be some pleasure. Yes, there may be some benefit. But now we're going to talk about the other side, right? And so can we find something that also has those benefits, mm. but not all of the cons? And so the next section is we just covered um, what, you know, the lies we say about addiction. We say, oh, no, addiction is just drugs. No, addiction is also our behaviors. We say addictions are only harmful. That's why we don't understand people who struggle with addictions. But no, they can also be helpful, right? And beneficial. Now, what are the lies that the addictions say to us? And these are really important because we just adopt, we just say, yes, we accept these lies, the fictions of addictions. So the first one, so well, number three in the lies, mm -hmm. the first lie addiction says to us, bridging off of our last lie, is they're only helpful so one way we talk about addiction is only harmful. The other extreme is they're only helpful. We only talk about the benefits. Not only do we say that they help us function or they're, you know, they mute, but some people even say, no, they take my problems away. Right. But Chriselle, is, is this true? And what, and how are we going to address this more specifically? I think this is actually going to be the, a large component mm -hmm. of um, our, our presentation, our episode today. Yes, the biggest lie is it takes my problems away because the reality of it is it adds problems to your life. It doesn't take away, it adds problems. And so there are different departments in which problems are added. And what are those, Katie? Physical, yes. emotional, psychological, and we're going to break it down. They're spiritual. Mm -hmm. So it adds problems. It doesn't take away your problems. So essentially, although there may be some benefit mm -hmm. to addictions, right? And that's why people have addictions is that it kind of ropes them in. Mm -hmm. But there are a host of harmful effects, right? When we talked about addiction, substantial harm, and like Crystal just mentioned, in all the different areas of our life. So physical health, how do certain... Um, addictions impact us physically and because there are so many addictions we are not able to cover all of them and so what we're going to try to do we're going to try our best to highlight a couple just to see and different drugs in different sections just to get an overview so Crystal, when we talked about physical health what are some things um, some ways in which certain drugs and substances and addictions impact our physical health well, to name a drug that is commonly used today, um, cannabis, right? I often hear a lot of patients tell me it's helpful, it's helpful, it's helpful, it helps my anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody wants to talk about how it actually harms their physical health. Some even say there's not enough research. There is research. So this is just a couple or just, yeah, it can lead to lung, throat, mouth, and tongue cancer. And a lot of yeah, I know a lot of youth that I work with say, oh, there's no side effects. It, it's just, you know, it's helping me through this time in my life. Yeah. Cocaine, um, another common, commonly used substance. Mm -hmm. This one's quite scary, right? Some people say, oh, it helps me focus. It gives um, me energy. It overstimulate your heart, right? Really cause it to overwork. Um, and also your brain, that it can lead to a seizure. It can Nervous lead to a stroke. It can lead to a heart attack. Right? These are serious 
health concerns. What about caffeine, Chriselle? And, and I we really wanted to include this one because caffeine is so widely used, right? Abused. And we think, oh no, this is, you know, this isn't a drug. It's just part of my day to day. And what's funny, Katie, is I've heard individuals who are common coffee drinkers um, that they will say, oh, yeah, you know, I need to get that coffee again because I'm starting to have a headache or I'm starting to feel low. I got to get that coffee again. Like they kind of know what the physical impact is to some extent. But if you don't know what coffee or caffeine, let's specify that because caffeine is not just in coffee. It can be in teas and energy drinks, etc. It decreases blood volume and ox- oxygen can lead to headaches, can lead to dizziness, rapid abnormal heart rhythm, can lead to dehydration, mm-hmm. and it can ultimately lead to your death. What? Caffeine? Why yeah. isn't it banned? So, <laughs> and, and one thing that was fascinating, I was looking at um, some research, and it talks about in, in a study that caffeine decreased the overall global cerebral um, brain fluid. Mm-hmm. By 27%, right? Wow. So when people talk about um, headaches, for example, it's constricting the blood vessels, right? It's not allowing for your brain to receive oxygenated blood. Like you can't think clearly. And so people think that they're enhancing their performance, but it's actually reducing. And that's why a lot of people have withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. because it's a drug. And when you mentioned, Crystal, about death, there are different stories, but one that I remember hearing about in the news was in 2017, a 16-year-old boy in South Carolina dies from a caffeine overdose. So I believe he drank, there's, I think, like a large soft drink of Mountain Dew, I think an energy drink and like a coffee or something from McDonald's. Wow. Just So just those and cause arrhythmia um, so of the heart and he died. Wow. And this was just caffeine. (laughs) Another one commonly that we don't think about is alcohol. Alcohol is so socially acceptable and alcohol can lead to death. So how how specifically can alcohol lead to death? Well, many different ways. (laughs) But one thing we do know about alcohol is that it impairs your judgment, right? It impacts the frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. And when we have impaired judgment, we can engage in risky behaviors that can then lead to our deaths, such as car accidents, walking out into an open road. If we're not thinking and realizing that that can cause us death because we have an impaired frontal lobe, we engage in a behavior and then we die. And that's, I think, the the way that we think about um, alcohol leading to death in most cases. And that's why we're like, oh, no, no, but I won't make those bad decisions. But what people don't recognize is alcohol is a depressant. And the impact that it has on the brain is, you know, in the back here of our brain, we have our brain stem and down here in our brains, we have kind of the more, more of the instincts, right? Things that we're not thinking, we're not using our cortex to think. It's just, you know, our posture, our balance, things that are kind of more natural. And one of the key things is our breath like just telling us to breathe i don't tell sit down and have to constantly think katie breathe katie mm-hmm. breathe but what it does it can turn off your the place of your brain that is telling you to breathe yeah and so you stop breathing 
Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a depressant, both on your frontal lobe, the ability to think clearly, and then also on your brainstem and other aspects, other parts of your brain. And so we saw a couple of statistics that we want to read. Um, I think these are a little obvious, so we won't go through all of them, but just to show the gravity of the substantial harm. Again, part of the definition of addiction is a substantial harm. Yeah. So here's one in 2017, so not too many years ago, 34.2 million Americans committed DUI, which is driving under the influence, 21.4 million under the influence of alcohol, and 12.8 million under the influence of drugs. Mm. Every year, uh, worldwide, alcohol is the cause of 5.3 deaths, a percentage of deaths, which means one in every 20. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's alcohol, but about 130 Americans die every day from an opioid overdose. Mm-hmm. On average, 30 Americans die every day mm-hmm. in an alcohol related car accident, and six Americans die every day from alcohol poisoning. Mm. Yeah. You know, and this statistic I found very interesting, since 1990, the overdose deaths, and these are different drugs, have more than tripled. Yeah. You can see the rates of, you know, ju- and these are talking a lot about drugs. Now we're not even talking about addictions. Talk about addictions, Priscilla, even in the last, so I've been doing therapy for the last six years, I believe, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the rate of addictions for the behavioral addictions have just skyrocketed like anecdotally, right? With my mm-hmm. clients, like that, we are becoming more and more of an addictive society. Yeah, and you know we've talked about you know the physical impact of these substances, but just really briefly going back to binge watching, right? They're showing a lot of statistics in regards to children who are playing video games, watching a lot of television, that it's leading to obesity, it's leading to poor concentration, that they can't concentrate in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really impacting their physical health. Yes. Mm-hmm. So another um, quick kind of fact about how addictions can lead to impact on physical health is I wanted to include this because it's something that we don't talk about and something that we don't recognize. So for example, um, masturbation. And some people are like, oh, you're gonna go there, I'm gonna go there. Um, A lot of times the research is saying, oh, masturbation is so healthy. And we'll talk about also briefly the impact um, more psychologically and socially, but on your physical health, you're like, what, isn't it healthy? Masturbation, frequent masturbation, can lead to zinc deficiency. So what people don't recognize is um, there's a lot of different vitamins and minerals in semen, right? And so because you're losing that and with such frequency, you can have low levels of these vitamins. And specifically, zinc deficiency can also, because zinc and copper kind of go together, zinc deficiency can lead to a copper toxicity. And so those two together, or even separate, but they often go together, can lead to, and I'm going to read a couple of symptoms, and you'll realize, wow, not only does it impact physical health, but it's going to lead to our second point of how does it impact psychological health. Something I do physically can impact my psychological health. Yeah. Leads to chronic fatigue, low energy, 
irritability. There's other things like oily skin, acne, so forth, which it's interesting because they say, oh, men, you should do this in order to be more confident in yourself. And that leads to other impacts on your physical health and on how you look and your appearance that leads to affect your confidence can lead to depression, anxiety, um, an overactive mind, right? Racing thoughts. So it's interesting clinicians, if you're watching this as well, it is important to assess for masturbation um, because that might be leading to an overactive mind, racing thoughts or anxiety, depression um, that, you may try to do different thought records and thought techniques or interventions, but this might be the root of it. Um, also, migraines, certain cravings, right? Especially when you have a copper toxicity, cravings for copper foods, which could be chocolates, can lead to a sugar addiction. Mm. You can have frequent colds, you know, impaired immune system, mood swings. So it's really important um, to assess for these different um, addictions and the impact of um, that they have on our mental health. That's something you would never think of, right? And there, and it's being promoted now. I know that the most recent thing was in regards to first graders being taught how to masturbate, that it was helpful for them. Yeah. So it's interesting how while our society and culture say one thing, doesn't mean that it's true. Yes, and what's actually interesting is these are things, and one of, we've already very explicitly stated this, that intention of this series is not just to talk about mental health, but talk about it from a, a biblical perspective. There are things that the Bible have talked about over and over and over again. A lot of people are like, oh, that's religion, that's religion. But mm-hmm. God cares about our health. Um, there's a recent community, um, I think it's, I'm not sure if it started on Reddit, but it being promoted on there it's called the no fat community and it's coming from a secular perspective and this community is against masturbation pornography and other sexual addictions and it's talking about it's basically trying to encourage people not to engage in these things because of the different physical and mental and psychological social etc um negative impact and so that was the physical impact, right? Because we're going, we're talking about the lie that addictions are helpful. No, they're harmful. That's what we know because this is just one example, the impact on our physical health. But there are other impacts. What's the next one that we're going to talk about, Katie? We're going to talk about psychological health. So we were kind of just mentioning that, right, with masturbation, not only physical health, but also impacts our cognitive and psychological health. Uh, what's interesting about addictions, it has like this bi-directional relationship where it can lead to more psychological effects like depression, anxiety, but you could also utilize the addiction to address that, to cope with that. So even mm-hmm. for people, for, for example, with masturbation, they say, oh, you know, it really stress, it calms me, it soothes me. So it's a bi-directional and that's really, and again, we'll talk about this later in regards to who's behind all of this. But that's the strategy. If I present something to be helpful, just a wee bit helpful, mm. but then, you know, there's a substantial harm. It creates a cycle of addiction because I need it, right? Mm. I feel like I need it, but I'm utilizing the very same thing that's causing me. It's kind of like, you know, um, when we talk about addictions with love or relationships, 
a man will abuse his wife or a, a wife might abuse her husband, right? And, but then, then comfort them because then it's, I'm causing you the harm, but then I'm also leading you to be addicted to me because then I'll also soothe you. That's the same thing that other substances do. I cause the harm. It's like a doctor that would like, you know, mess up on a surgery so that you have to come back to him over and over and over again. It's just so messed up. cycle of abuse. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard for those who are abused to leave their abusers. And those who are outside are like, just leave, just leave. But it's literally like an addiction, like you just described. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. So another, a key, um, a key, I would say, example of that's technology. So Mm -hmm. technology creates this um, impact, right, on your psychological health that then leads you to want more and more. So um, I don't know if you ever learned this, Chriselle, um, in when you talk about learning and reinforcement, mm-hmm. learn about different um, schedules of reinforcement. So for example, if you reward someone consistently, let's say you tell a child, okay, every day at 1 p.m., I'm going to give you a reward, right? You're being consistent. Mm-hmm. That child, yes, will learn, but it's not going to be super effective. Do you know why? Because it's always at 1 o'clock. Always at one o'clock. So they won't do anything until one o'clock comes. Mm-hmm. But the most effectual um, reinforcement is what they call one of the most um, is variable ratio reinforcement. So this is not knowing when, what to expect and when to expect it. And that's what social media does. So Chris, how do you think social media uses a variable ratio reinforcement? I mean, just think about it. When I have my phone next to me, you just never know when that new notification is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just got a comment on my Facebook. Oh, on my Instagram, someone just commented something. You never know. So it's a like constant, I got to keep this here because who knows what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I always have to refresh and refresh and refresh because I don't know who's going to post something. Or I'm not going to know what it's going to say, right? So you're constantly excited and rewarded to see fresh new posts or fresh new notifications. Ding. Yes. Sounds. We like those um, animations. You know, Katie, I don't know exactly if there's a term for this, but I've heard it in regards to social media and the impact on your psychological health is when you feel like you're missing out. So you have to say that again. FOMO. FOMO. So that see, there is a term for it, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Missing out. Fear of missing out. Yes, that you're constantly like, okay, I can't miss out. Like, what's the update? What's the update? What's the update? And you're like wanting that pleasure. (laughs) You want to feel like you're part of the in-group, which is part of your psychological health. Yes. And, you know, that reminds me of there's actually other terms like nomophobia, Mm. right? The fear of going without your phone. Yes. Um, There's the textophrenia the fear that you can't send or receive texts of, oh my gosh, do I not have service? Oh my gosh, is my, my texting not working? Wow. There's phantom vibrations. Okay, guilty. I've had this. Have you had this? Yes. Right? Oh, I, I got a notification. You go check and you're like, oh, it didn't ring, right? Uh, or it didn't <laughs> vibrate. Um, yeah. So different names um, because of the fact, you know, whenever there's a name, that means it's popular enough there's enough people to coin a term, 
And so a lot of people are having an addiction to their phone, to social media, to technology. And, you know, it's way, way, way too common. Um, but we're talking also about psychological health. So you mentioned, Chriselle, um, that it also impacts your attention. How does it impact your attention? Well, I mean, in terms of, there's so many different types of technology and social media, but you're so focused on it and you're being constantly stimulated. So when you want to go and do another activity that doesn't have as much stimulation or hyping up that dopamine level to the extent that that technology or that social media is, you won't find those activities pleasurable. It'll be hard for you to sit still. It'll be hard for you to be able to to just be like, okay, like this is pleasurable. You'll be like, I'm bored. Where's my phone? <laughs> yeah, you know, what's interesting is so I was looking at some research and it was saying that our ability to memorize or our memory centers have shrunk because we are recording everything. So yes, we think we've thought about this in regards to I don't know phone numbers anymore, right? We used to know everybody's phone numbers. But even in regards to our emotional memories. So they did a study where they looked at individuals who had their phones or they didn't. And because of like, and I'm so guilty of this, if, you know, my niece is doing something cute or if I'm, you know, with friends and I pull out my phone and I record it, I record a story or I record it for myself that impacts the ability, right, to use your memory centers in order to record that memory for yourself. And so it has a drastic impact on our memory centers. It's like, Katie, I remember recording her, but I don't remember watching her while I I was recording her. It's like my memory is filtered through what I'm seeing here, not necessarily being there present, right? Wow. And, you know, Attention and memory, those are two things that are very, very important for us as human beings. And even the attention centers are shrinking as well because we are not able to maintain our focus and attention. We're working on something, ding, right? Our phone. We're, we're, we're doing something else, ding, my watch. Um, I'm, they, they even, um, they've done research studies on looking at students and their attention. And even if their phone was off, but it was in the room, they, they were not able to maintain attention. So one small tip is you can leave your phone in a different room off. Mm-hmm. You really want to study your focus, right? But our ability to focus and maintain attention is extremely, extremely poor. Yeah. And in regards really briefly to social media and technology, someone may be saying, well, I don't use it to cope with anything. Well, you may not use it to cope with anything, but it could be distracting you from improving your health elsewhere. And so having that dopamine hit, as you could say, having that pleasure taken from there um, does impact when you go and have experiences elsewhere that may not be as pleasurable. So it is impacting you. And in some way, it can lead to the point that you start utilizing it to cope because everything else around you is no longer pleasurable. So I need that. I need that hit. So you pull out that phone. Exactly. So let's talk about when we're talking about psychological health um, we want to talk a little bit about the impact on the brain. And so I'm going to share my screen here and show a couple of ways in which it impacts our brain. It's just fascinating. 
Someone here says, no wonder Pastor Randy Skeet encourages the audience to use their Bible instead of their phones. <laughs> exactly. So here we see, and we've shown this before, right? What happens in our brain? So it gives it, you know, some examples here. Um, so Chriselle, do you want to explain this to us? I think you could do it. <laughs> right. So we see here in the first picture on the left, kind of normal brain, right? Whenever we have a pleasurable experience, you might have- Hold on really quickly. I don't see a brain here. I just see the graph. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were showing the brain. No, no, no. So yes, just the graph. You see normal baseline, right? We have a pleasurable experience, an orgasm, for example, and then we return to baseline. Now, when we have an addicted brain, you'll notice here, um, it's above baseline, but we get that first drug high. And what happens to, to our brain for cell, to our dopamine? Does it return to baseline? Oh, I can't see here. It crashes the low baseline. And here's kind of what happens over time. So it drops way below baseline. And then we might have some tolerance there. You see there in the middle. Mm. And they start to drop lower and lower and lower. And so that's how addiction gets us, right? Because it wants us to chase that high, but then it crashes below. And so you're saying, oh, I need that. For example, caffeine, right? You actually feel worse, lower energy, more fatigue, right? After you have caffeine or sugar. So you're like, oh, I need to go back to even just baseline now. And so I turn to the substance, but you need more and more and more, right? That's tolerance, that's build up, more dependence to have um, even just to barely function anymore. So this is what kind of happens in our brain. Now I wanted to show this video. Um, it's kind of a quick animation to show kind of the, the power of, of addiction. All right. So what are some things that we notice about this character and in relation to addiction, right? We, we start off the video with this strange thing, doesn't really know what it is. And then he decides to try it, or she, whatever this is. And what happens? Oh, it's great for a moment of time. What was that? It seems to be great for a moment of time. And just a woo. Right? Flying, mm-hmm. pleasurable, right? And that's what we discussed, right? One of the big lies is that it's only pleasurable. And that's how it starts, right? You have the, the big high is what the, this bird or whatever this little guy is would experience this great high. But then what did we start noticing? Oh, he would fall. And then his fall kept it, getting harder and harder. Exactly. He doesn't fly as high. It doesn't last as long. He starts falling and falling harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And his life what do we notice starts getting darker and darker? And we notice, so you mentioned this, um, uh, that he kind of persists, right? Mm-hmm. That he starts running faster and faster. And before he was just strolling along, his life was fine. But then his life becomes about addiction itself. So the psychological health, physical health, we saw that it got a little fatter, right? And yes. that became slower, right? It has a physical health component the psychological health, right? He's having these 
highs and these lows and lows, lows, and that he's becoming dependent on it until his life gets darker and darker and darker, which Crystal, I want to talk about this emotional health. How does it have an impact on emotional health? So we talked about, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying many different ways. I'm like, where to begin? Um, yes, there's a component back to the brain, right? Um, and the chemical changes in the brain. For example, here we have the uh, sugar, right? Sugar is a common processed sugar, and clarify that, that many of us consume in our diets. And it actually, you know, in regards to the brain, it downregulates dopamine receptors to compensate for the repeated jolts of fat and sugar. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that we see in many different addictions. So what happens is because we're experiencing such high hits of dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, our brain receptors become overwhelmed, overwhelmed to the point that our brain responds by producing less dopamine or eliminating dopamine receptors. So in an adaptation similar to turning the volume down mm -hmm. on a loudspeaker when noise becomes too loud. So over time, what happens is there becomes a blunting response to the dopamine system to everyday stimuli. So we begin to enjoy life less because that sunset that used to give me that nice dopamine that conversation that I used to have, I'd rather have a conversation on social media or get likes on social media, get that hit of dopamine. I'd rather have that drug. I'd rather have that. I'd rather watch that movie than have a conversation because I get more dopamine. I'd rather have the processed sugar than the delicious fruit that's healthy for me. So the everyday stimuli becomes meaningless or not as enjoyable. And in terms of how that can impact your emotional health or the emotional health of those around you. So oftentimes when you see those addicted to drugs or just having a, a general addiction, they will choose that addiction over their family. Um, and they're like, I don't know why, like I'll go after this drug. And it's like, I'm not trying to choose it. It's just, it's kind of like, that's where they thinking that drug has the control over them. Right. And family members, even children, sadly, when they say, why did my mom, choose to have the drug over me mm -hmm. is it that i don't have worth it's so sad to see the emotional side effects when it comes to addictions and you're already touching on our next point the the social health right mm -hmm. so it really impacts relationships mm -hmm. social media leading to discon disconnect right D drug addictions destroying marriages clients are are either those struggling with addiction or they're the adult of the children of those who had addictions when they were, right? So I'm, I don't know if I said that clearly, but basically they're the result of parents having addictions and years and years down the line, they're struggling with their own emotional health as well. So video games can lead to aggression and can impact also relationships, mm -hmm. sex addiction. Mm. There's so much research on how you know, masturbation, pornography, etc., leads to um, less pleasure, less sexual intimacy in your relationships, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because if you look at some spewed research, they're saying, oh no, it improves sexual intimacy because you know how to how to be gratified. Mm -hmm. It becomes self-focused versus others focus of giving instead of mm -hmm. just 
to, to be able to experience the love and connection, the bond, which is stronger, it, the sexual intimacy is stronger if there's emotional intimacy. Yes. And so another impact would be on your finances. Oftentimes, oh, additions can lead you to losing your home, losing your job, losing your car. I mean, just becoming, that's why sometimes it can lead to homelessness because of the, you're just so driven to chase that drug and it becomes all, your whole reality. That's where you saw that video where everything became darkened because he, nothing else mattered. It's just that. That's what I need. That's what I need. And so it can lead to financial issues as well. Yes. Um, you know, it, here's a stat for people. Alcohol and drug addiction cost the U.S. economy over $600 billion every million? Billion. Wow. Yeah. Now, there, our last area in which it impacts our lives is our spiritual health. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, and it's going to be something that comes up a lot because our frontal lobe is just so important for our functioning, right? Frontal lobe is responsible for what things result. Oh, for judgment, for rational thinking, for decision-making. Planning, organization, just these higher-solving functions that we need. And it's also very important that's where we have our moral judgments, right? Mm -hmm. We are able to make decisions based, you know, good, bad, right, wrong. And it's where we connect with God the most. There's no surprise to me that this is the area in which gets impacted the most negatively by addiction. If this is the place that we think best, we make our decisions, right, and we connect with God and others, of course, this is the area that gets impacted the most, right? And you know, there's, you know, we can think about TV, the impact of TV on the frontal lobe, music, and so forth. And I think we've mentioned this in prior episodes. Um, and one thing that if you think about just the way that addiction works, addiction, because it's, it works so heavily and impacts the reward centers of the brain, right? The limbic system, the middle. So if this is our brain, right? This middle section here, what happens is it starts overworking that, that area and the and overrides the frontal lobe so what happens is over time what they see is that the frontal lobe and especially the connections right um for and the functions of judgment and motivation begin to shrink over time mm. shrink it's scary i not want my frontal lobe to shrink mm -hmm. and so Christelle, we see that there's you know, a lot of lies. And for the sake of time, we're just going to pause here. We have four more lies. Right? I, I had a strong suspicion that we wouldn't be able to <laughs> do anything. Um, but we wanted to just quickly address that these lies come from somewhere. This is not just a something to do with substances or this doesn't have to just do with the physical component of substances. What what is something that's really important that we want to share with our viewers? Well, if, you know, we're recognizing that there are lies, the question is, who's the originator of these lies? Where do these lies come from? How is it that it's so common among many of us and many of us accept them? Where does it come from? And so when we turn to the Bible, which is the truth, uh, the source of truth, right? And we're wanting to know what is the truth. 
within the truth, we know the truth of who's a liar, if that made any sense. <laughs> and so we can actually find that there in John chapter 8, verse 44. And Katie, if you can read that for us, please. Yeah, so it says, you are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and you can see how substances lead to death, right? Um, and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him, none whatsoever. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is the father of all lies. And the reason why we wanted to mention this is because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's just an addiction or it's just a substance. But behind the scenes, there's this battle going on between good and evil. And if you're not Christian, if you're not a believer, I think you can still see this happening. You look at society, this this battle going on, good and evil, this fight over someone's mind, right? For them to make good decisions or bad decisions. Did you have a comment, Michelle? Yes. If you just, you know, take it to the, the basic common sense, what would make someone need to lie? What would be the purpose? It's to hide the truth. The truth of what? Do you get what I'm saying, Katie? Mm -hmm. And so if he is a father of all lies, what what would be his intention or his purpose in lying to us when it comes to addictions? Is it because the addictions are not allowing us to see the truth, which is only found in Christ? Mm -hmm. Because there is victory. I know we're talking and focusing on the fictions of addictions. There's also truths of how to overcome addictions, which I'm, I'm sure Katie and I are going to to share in our next episode just to, so you recognize that this isn't all, oh, you know, there's no hope. There is a lot of hope. The father of lies doesn't want you to see that. Therefore, he's masking your judgment. He's masking your ability to have that connection with God. Yes. And so we see in the very first lie that we mentioned, the lies we say about addiction, that the Satan, the father of all lies, wants us to believe it's only drugs. Because then, oh, I'm okay with all these other behavioral mm -hmm. addictions. I'm okay but you're not okay. Those are also addictions. The second one, addictions are only harmful. He wants us to only believe that they're harmful because then also we may shame others. We may not understand others. We ourselves may continue to relapse because we are not replacing that with something helpful. Mm. That's helpful and not harmful. And then the lies addictions say to us, some that we, the first one that we covered, and there's still several more that we'll cover in the future episode, is that they're only helpful. He then makes us focus so much on the benefits that like that character of that little bird or whatever that little guy is, is that we want the addiction more and more and more. And we don't realize that it's killing us. Another quick verse that I wanted to, to read for Saul, John 10, 10. Yes. And this does. is really important because it doesn't only show that enemy is the father of all lies, but he's also, which we read about or we talked about the impact on the different areas of our lives he comes it says to do three main things what are the three main things that he comes to do so in john 10 10 it says the thief the liar the father of all lies comes only to steal and kill and destroy and so in application to addiction i see that he comes to steal right our joy right we see that you know we're overstimulating our dopamine dopamine receptors that we're being, we're, we're numbing, right? We're not 
We're not being able to enjoy life as much as we can. Stealing our joy, stealing our relationships, right? Our connectedness. He's killing, right? He's killing us physically, emotionally, and destroy. To became to steal, to kill, and destroy. Yeah. And then the verse continues and says, "What well, there's a different prescriber. You can choose either Satan as the father of all lies, the fiction of addiction, or you can learn about the truth. So, and the truth found in Christ, he says, I have come that they may have life, not to take life, but to give life and to have it fully. Mm-hmm. To have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk more in the future episode about how Christ wants to give you that life abundant. Mm-hmm. So what we want to end with, um, we'll have a we'll have a, a prayer afterwards, but we want to end with our prescription as a way to start having us think about these things. Yes, and I just really briefly just want to mention that if you currently are struggling with any substance or any drug addiction and you don't know how to reach out for help, there is a national helpline. It's 1-800-662-HELP, which is 4357, and it's a free confidential 24-7, 365-day-a-year treatment referral and information service. So if maybe you're not struggling, but you know someone who is that doesn't know how to search for a referral, for assistance, for guidance, uh, feel free to utilize this resource. Yes. And so the truth prescription is we want you to start, right? Because we'll continue um, this topic next episode, but we want you to start reflecting on the various addictions mentioned, right? And whether or not you have an addiction, right? Think about all the ones that we mentioned and then reflect on the various lies we've covered thus far and ask yourself, have I accepted any? Am I believing that, oh, no, it's just drugs. I'm okay. Am I believing that it's only helpful, only harmful, right? Recognizing, oh, wow, this is a lot more harmful in my life than I realized. And we'll talk about in the next episode, well, how do you exactly overcome? But the first step to overcome is awareness. And we also want you to just reflect on, again, you know, where is this coming from? There's, there's this battle and there's this fight between good and evil, between Satan, the father of all lies, and God as the God of truth. Yes. And if you're struggling, like, how do I even identify if I, because I don't have the drug addictions. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've never touched alcohol. I've never touched a drug. So how do I even begin to identify what could be an addiction in my life? Well, ask yourself, is there anything that I'm utilizing to cope with my problems and then reflect on that coping mechanism. Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Does it draw you away from your loved ones? Does it draw you closer to God or further away from God? Does it take a substantial amount of your time that it's affecting your functioning at work? It's affecting your functioning in school. It's affecting your functioning in relationships. It's affecting your spiritual walk. There are some ways that you can begin to open your eyes to identify possibly if there are any addictions in your life. All right, well, let's have a closing word of prayer. Right, if you bow your heads with us as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, there's just so much to talk about. And that's because addictions are so prevalent in this world and even in our very own lives. And so, God, we just want to come before you with open hearts, with sincere and genuine hearts, asking that you may reveal to us 
Lord, even if there are people that are watching that don't believe in you and still know that your spirit of truth can, can help them be more aware. Lord, we pray that when we bring that awareness, not as a way that we feel so horrible, that we um, feel so discouraged, but that you not only can bring to our awareness, but give us the ability, the courage and the strength and the ability to overcome. Lord, we pray also just for a deeper understanding of how the enemy wants to sell these lies to us, that we may believe these things to fall deeper and deeper into addiction, Lord, to to have our frontal lobes impacted to not be, to get in the way of connecting with you and with others, Lord. We don't want to have these addictions where it hurts us, hurts our families, our friends, our loved ones, God. We don't want to have the enemy steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. We want to have life and life abundance. So Lord, we pray for that and we thank you in advance because we know that you are not only able to give us that life abundant, but you are also willing. So we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Katie, for that prayer. And thank you to all of you for joining us on such an important topic, the fiction of addiction. There's so much to, to talk about, so we're going to have a part two. So don't forget to join us in two weeks to continue our wonderful discussion and discovery of the truth um, on the fiction of addictions. And we just want to remind you, don't forget to take your daily dosage of what, Katie? Because why? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.